0: Hey, Bronwyn here, the voice of Alice Harlow. Pledging to our Patreon is a quick and easy way to help support us in creating Station Arcadia, but we understand that not everyone is able to give financially. Sharing Station Arcadia with others in your life is another great way to help us out. This could mean recommending the show to friends and family, posting about it on social media, or talking about it in podcasting spaces. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a show to grow, and we really appreciate your help. Thanks and enjoy
1: episode 10, Wreckage. Welcome, anyone. Breathe in and out. You're listening to Station Arcadia. Wait. No, wait, I said that already. I'm um, sorry. It's been a day. Joe and Zed wouldn't stop bickering, which, you know, it normally wouldn't bother me, but I have this headache and... I need some painkillers before I plug into the station. Let's go to a break while I ask Joe what she's got. Hello, Miss
2: Moore. Thank you for dropping in our little show tonight.
0: Oh, well, it's really not that big of a deal.
2: (laughs) It's not every day we at 7RC get to interview a candidate for premiere.
0: Well, I'm just glad somebody actually wants to talk to me.
2: (laughs) Well, let's start off with some personal stuff, shall we? We can save all the boring policy stuff for later.
0: Yeah, that sounds great to me.
2: You were born here on Island 7, right?
0: Yeah, I I lived here for a few years before my parents moved to Island 3 to work at Oko University. I came back here to campaign, but I- I'd forgotten how bad the humidity was.
2: Don't I know it. So did you go to Oka University? Uh, yes. What did you study?
0: Uh, political science.
2: <laughs> did you enjoy your time at OQ?
0: Yeah, uh, their programs were good, and I-, I met some great people there. That's actually where I met my campaign manager, Soren. He's my best friend.
2: And now you're working together. It's got to be fun to work beside a friend.
0: He can be a little overbearing, but sometimes that's a good thing. Of course.
2: Now, on to that boring politics stuff we mentioned earlier. Your campaign is doing pretty well these days,
0: isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we had a bit of a rough start, but have made some good headway in the past month or so.
2: What sets you apart from the other candidates? I've been hearing a lot of buzz about your unique approach. Tell me more about that.
0: Uh, well, the big thing is is that a lot of my policies are quite long term. Knowing how to guide the islands in the short term is one thing, and I think our current leadership has been doing a great job on that front, but It's time to look to the future. Where do we want our islands to be in 10, 20, 50 years from now? What about 100 years? My team and I have been considering these questions, and I'm ready to put plans into motion that will benefit not only our present selves, but future generations.
2: I see. Do you believe your age or lack of political experience will affect your ability
0: to lead, or the choices you'll make as Premier? I do not. I've... Studied politics extensively, helped to organize community events such as Night of Song Memorial in Oko, and am always willing to learn and improve. Many older residents of the Gannett Islands grew up on the water, or were born shortly after our return. They see these islands as something impermanent that could be taken away. Their perspectives are important, but I believe it's time to plant more serious roots and invest in our future. What a great response. It
2: looks like we're just about out of time. Next up on 7RC, an amazing story on this year's contestants for the Island 7 boat races. Thank you very much for coming out today, Ms. Moore.
1: Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Hopefully my headache will go away soon. But in the meantime... Well, let's just get through this, shall we? Captain Torren has been on the water his whole life, and he's been fishing for most of that. His hat is on boat for years, and every scratch on the deck and chip in the paint is familiar to him. It's just as much a part of his family as the ship's crew. Astrid, the navigator, Captain Torren's adopted daughter, Anaya, and Winter, Anaya's partner. None of them are related by blood, but they're family all the same. Today, they're hoping for a bigger catch than usual, the sort that's only found further away from Island Nine, closer to the Empire. So Captain Torin and his crew of three set out into the ocean. It's a beautiful day. Clear skies, sunny with just enough wind. Winter and Anaya play cards while Astrid directs the boat towards the spot they chose to start fishing. Slowly, without their noticing, The fishing boat drifts further from the shore and towards the mainland. Captain Torn is leaning on the rail, looking up at the sky when he realizes exactly how close to the Empire they've come. Then, in the distance, he hears the first bomb fall. He instantly gives the order to head in the opposite direction of the bombs, and the other members of the crew join him in his work. They need to get as far away from the coming conflict as possible. Their boat isn't equipped to survive a fight, not in the slightest. It's a fishing vessel, unarmed and small. Even though it's speedy, it isn't a match for the warships of the Empire. And if they get in a skirmish, they'll go down quickly. Captain Torren stands on top of the ship's cabin with his spyglass, knee-deep in plants, and watches as the warships and planes on the horizon come closer and closer. They won't be able to outrun them. He looks down when Astrid yells. They run up to him and point wordlessly in the opposite direction of the approaching warships. The captain turns to see a second line of ships and planes. They're about to be trapped in the middle of a battle. The first plane zooms overhead, and a bomb crashes down into the water. Captain Torn almost falls off the roof as he topples into some of the plants on the cabin. His hat and spyglass go flying overboard as the ship rocks violently. The second bomb crashes into the water as well, sending the ship tipping wildly again. Captain Torn watches numbly for a moment as the playing cards flutter over the railing. He leaps to his feet and starts to give orders. He's going to do everything he can to get them through this. There's still a chance that their small boat will be able to maneuver through the Empire ships and back home. At least, until a cannonball slams through the mast of the boat. Captain Torn covers his head as shards of wood and sails rain down, watching his boat, his home, ripped to shreds. Captain Torrin gathers the crew together in the cabin, and they watch as the air around them is filled with smoke and explosions. Winter and Anaya hold onto each other, like the ship will fall apart if they let go, and Astrid is pale and silent. Each one is trying to stay strong for the other three. Captain Torn gives them the news they all knew was coming. Unless they were incredibly lucky, they weren't getting out of there. All right, listeners. Let's go to our second break for the night.
0: Hey, Soren.
3: Welcome back from your interview. How are you feeling?
0: (sighs) Exhausted. At least it was nice to share some good news for once. We were really in a rough patch there for a while.
3: Yeah, really nice. It's all really great. (laughs) What does that mean? What does what mean? You're talking really weird. I'm not talking weird.
0: You're just repeating everything that I say!
3: I'm not- ta- Soren. <sighs>
0: just... just tell me what's going on.
3: It's really cool that you could go on that show and talk about the things that are going well for us, but... But? They aren't really going that well. You've got good traction in the rural areas, but Hyacinth has a major foothold in a lot of the older institutions, and without them it's harder to crack the urban center. Besides, Islands 4 and 6 think that you should be doing more about foreign policy.
0: More what?
3: I don't know, that wasn't on the questionnaire.
0: I'm not sure what you want me to say then!
3: What is going on with you? You barely listen when I try to tell you campaign details, and when you do, you don't respond to any of it. We can't win this if you don't try, Axel.
0: I am trying. I'm going to all these pointless interviews and and debates. They're not
3: pointless, they're important. Then why don't
0: you do them?
3: That's not how this works, and even if it was, you know I couldn't do it. Come on. Every time we get even a little close to a lead, we just fall back again. You're arguing your opposite point now. Are you trying or do you want to stop? You're just more invested in this than I am. You are the one who asked me to join this campaign. What happened to the woman who showed up at my husband's apartment? saying she wanted to make the world a better place.
0: I didn't really want to do this. I mean, I I did, but not like... My whole life plan after graduating was to run a fishing shop. Maybe run for mayor or city council of a small town on Island 3, but... I saw Hyacinth was running for premier and all her policies were terrible, and no one was seriously running against her. I just... I had to do something. And I can handle it. You know, I I know what I'm getting into. This just isn't what I expected.
3: I'm sorry, Axel.
0: Don't be. I'm the one who made this choice. You're right. I haven't been taking this seriously enough. This is bigger than me, and I I can't keep getting bogged down at what could have been.
3: If it's any consolation, I'll be right by your side for this whole thing. Even your future assassination. Stop it. It'll be incredibly unfortunate. I don't know how I'll continue, but somehow I will know that you're still there in spirit. That will make it all worth it. You
0: seem way too invested in this fantasy.
3: Only a little bit.
0: Let's go over the areas our campaign is falling behind, shall we? And this time I'll actually listen.
1: Another bomb hits. And Captain Torren and his crew are thrown against the cabin wall. The captain scrambles out of the cabin to look around at the destruction. His life is in shambles, scattered around them, and the boat is taking on water fast. He spots the lifeboat a little ways away, floating through the water in pieces. When the next bomb hits their ship, it sends Captain Torren flying into the bitterly cold water. He flails wildly, not sure which way is up. He floats back to the surface and grabs onto a plank of wood. He doesn't see his family anywhere, just debris in the water. Captain Torn has almost completely given up when he hears a voice yelling to him from a little ways away. A voice he doesn't know, asking him if he's still alive. He calls back to them, looking up and around for the source of the voice. Then, the shadow of an Empire ship passes over him. He closes his eyes, ready to be run over or shot. But the thing that hits him in the back of the head is a coil of rope, not a bullet. He grabs onto it blindly. The voice calls down to him, says to hold on, and though his arms shake with the effort, he maintains his grip. He feels himself dragged out of the ocean by several people and is gently tossed onto the deck, coughing up water. Someone pats his back. After a few minutes, he wipes his face with a sopping wet sleeve and looks up at the Empire soldiers gathered around him. One of them kneels down, a young woman with a scar that just barely misses her eye. She smiles gently at him and asks if he's okay. Instead of responding, he tries to stand back up. He almost falls over, but feels several hands help to hold him steady. He pushes them away, but when he tries to stand on his own, He becomes aware of a shooting pain in his left leg. He collapses back to the deck. The captain asks about his ship and his crew, and is met with shaken heads. The young woman with a scar hands him a canteen. A slightly older person helps him out of his soaked coat and hands him a blanket. He doesn't resist. He doesn't have a reason to. After all, everything he loved is gone lost to the bombs and the ocean waves. There's a sudden burst of yelling on the other side of the deck, and he looks up to see the soldiers pulling a second person up from the water. He tries to run towards them, but his injury keeps him pinned in place. The young woman gives him a hand up and helps him limp across the deck. The person lying in a puddle of seawater and blood is Anaya, his daughter. Still alive, but just barely. He drops to his knees next to her and looks up at the soldiers. He asks with genuine confusion, Why did you do this? The woman with the scar shrugs. We're just following orders. The words look like they're hurting her. She offers to help him blow decks where it's safer and he can see a medic. Exhausted, he accepts, and she helps him limp below decks while two other soldiers carry Anaya. By the time his wounds have been treated and he's drifting off under sedatives, he still doesn't know if Anaya will survive or where the rest of his crew is. He can still hear bombs and gunfire from the battle, and for all he knows, this ship will sink as well before the sun sets. But for now, he's alive. Oh, and uh, with that, On that great note, uh, I'm going to go to sleep for a few days straight. Stay safe, stay moving, and stick close. You've been listening to Station Arcadia.
4: Station Arcadia is a podcast by Metal Steve Productions, unlicensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial share 4.0 International License. It is produced by Eliana SD and CVVM, and directed by Tova Brantner. It is edited by Eliana SD and J.R. Steele, with soundscaping by Becker Huang and music by Theo Goodwin. Today's episode was written by Quinn O.A. Feinberg, with scenes from Tova Brantner and J.R. Steele. It featured Jade Virginia as Cass, Rachel Cameron as Axel Moore, Akash S. as Soren, and Antigone Brickman as the interviewer. Join us on Twitter and Tumblr, at Station Arcadia, for more content. Join us on Discord to chat with other fans, using the link in the description. Check out our website, stationarcadia.com, for a transcript of this episode, as well as information on the cast and crew. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. Today's instrument feature of the week is the oboe. This is what an oboe sounds like.
2: thank you tomorrow i'll do something out of
1: stories my feet will walk on earth that is not of earth
2: unforeseen circumstances are hard to prepare for if you can prepare for them they're foreseen
3: unless our plans change
0: catastrophically it should be fine
1: i have been asleep for decades
4: How much more patience do you want?
0: They're growing us a village next to the base of a space elevator on a brand new planet.
4: For you to have this new and better world, I have to stay behind and make it.
1: Unimaginable animals. Mm -hmm. You didn't try the
2: cheese. What will it mean for all the stories you've told me
1: to be alive on a new world?
4: It's so beautiful trust me here we go
1: check out
0: this planet needs a name everywhere podcasts are found